Yeah, that's right, man. Jeez, you've been doing your homework, Lizzie. I'm impressed. In terms of capacity, it's about a thousand people, wow. but it was absolutely jam-packed. I'd like to welcome to the stage Mr. Jimmy Davis Davis. Jimmy is another one of the family. Ed, he's one of Ed's biggest influences. And I was just like, what? <laughs> no way. That's surreal, man. Your value in a particular marketplace is determined by who you know. It really is, man. So you just got to get out there and just network hard. I'll see you later. And then I really need to get a backdrop like yours, to be honest with you, because that's really nice. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Z1 to 1. Please don't forget to subscribe to my channel. After all, it is free. So, for today I have uh, the one and only MC Nighty. We've had the likes of Ed Sheeran quote him as one of his influences. Yes, it's none other than tapes. How are you? You good? Hey, yeah man, I'm good, I'm good. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Lizzie. So, you've, you're someone that I've been looking at your work and also all on your social media to the point where the stuff you've done is incredible. And what you've achieved and where I was also looking at your background because a lot of your music, you're very, you're very open and at, at hitting key important issues in society and also speaking your truth. So why is it so important to you when you do write those lyrics? Because to me, it's poetry. The way you write and how you articulate yourself is beautiful. Oh, thank you very much, man. That's, that's such a kind thing to say. Well, yeah, I mean, I am, I'm really into poetry, you know. Uh, I guess rap music, hip hop, MCing, that's the that's the basis of it, isn't it? That's the foundation, I guess. And um, I read I read a bit of poetry, particularly one poet called Rumi, who's like really influenced me in a massive way. And he was like a a 12th century poet, and he he was part of these this group called the Whirling Dervishes, who used to go out into the desert. They were sort of like um, Bedouin people that live in the desert, you know, and um, in the Middle East. And like, they would sort of write this incredible, just, um, it feels to me like his poetry is God talking to me. I mean, I'm not a religious person <laughs> or anything, but it's very spiritual, you know what I mean? And anyway, they would go out into the desert, they'd write these incredible words and they'd spin around in circles really quickly. That's why they were called the whirling dervishes. I don't know where, like why they were doing it, but anyway, um, <laughs> maybe like they were sort of like mini human tornadoes, you know what I mean? Stirring up the sand as they were like spinning around and stuff. Um, I don't know, but so anyway, yeah, I'm really, I'm really into poetry and, and yeah, and, and also like what you've touched on there about speaking my truth and things that are important. I feel like music, to an extent or a degree, has a duty to do that, you know what I mean? To like inform people, to educate people, as well as entertain them. I think that's all part of it. Yeah. I think one of your new releases you have out as well, please make sure you do check that out, is Coming Alive. And it's something that has such a positive vibe to it. It just uplifts you as soon as you listen to it. So what was the thought behind that? 
Which is man, I'm pleased, really pleased you like it. Um, it's a love song basically, it's a love story, you know what I mean? And, um, and I wrote it not that long after I met my, my current partner. And and I fell in love and uh, and yeah, man, I just, that's what came out, you know? This is the thing with music. I think sometimes you can't, you can't explain it. You know what I mean? You just sort of, it comes to you or it comes through you, like whatever the music is, whatever that energy is that passes through us and makes its way onto paper and then onto a sound recording. So, so yeah, that, I mean, I got I got given a beat by a guy called Bert Von Dert, who's a, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, he's a producer from Warsaw. Oh, cool. And yeah, he gave me the beat and 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 lit, yeah, I just sat sat down and soaked it in and digested it for a while, and and that's just what came out, man. Well, so also you have people like again I mentioned in the intro that you have people like Ed Sheeran, where he also is within your music video as well. I feel good, good, good. I feel good, yes, wonderful, good. Good times, good vibes. Gonna make me feel alive in my neighbourhood. I feel good, good, good. I feel good, yes, Is this somewhere, because I was watching Glastonbury performances as well, previous ones, where you've graced, is it three times you've been to Glastonbury? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So what was, how old were you then? And what, how did that come about? And for those that are coming into the industry, what advice would you give to them if they were given that opportunity? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first time I performed at Glastonbury was in 2010. So 10 years ago. And... Decade. But you don't a look, decade? You don't um, look like there's a decade gone, but... <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. So everyone listening and watching, I didn't pay Lizzie to say that. So um, that's all good. And um, yeah, so 10 years ago, and it came about the opportunity because, uh, do you know what, right? I say this to people whenever I give talks to young musicians, young up and coming artists. All of, the, all of these opportunities that I've had, I've been really lucky with and, um, and I've experienced, I've all come about through the ne networking, you know, just building up a network and just getting to know people and, um, and making contacts. And, and so that particular one, uh, I ended up sort of through someone I knew, um, sort of becoming connected with some people who ran a festival mm -hmm. and it was called Croissant Nerf. And I didn't know at the time when I got to know them, but it turned out that they ran the, a stage at Glastonbury that's the second oldest stage there. So the oldest wow. stage is the pyramid stage, yeah, that's been there since the beginning. And the second oldest stage is their <laughs> stage. So, um, so yeah, and, and you know, it took, it took a little bit of time, but eventually they said, do you want to come and and do like a, a 15 minute slot on a Friday, uh, on a Thursday night. Cause Glastonbury now it starts on a Wednesday or you can go there on, you can go there on the Monday actually from the week that it's on. But on the Wednesday is when music starts. But 10 years ago, it was on the Thursday and literally on the Thursday night at Glastonbury, there's no mute or there used to be no music at mm. all apart from on the Croissant Nerf stage. So you'd, you'd go on for 15 minutes right, and then you. Like, yeah. The tent, yeah, the 
tent was absolutely rammed. I mean, in terms of capacity, it's about a thousand people, wow. but it was absolutely jam-packed. I'd like to welcome to the stage, Mr. Jimmy Davis Davis. Jimmy is another one of the family. You have to re be real and be true, because you know I say you need me and I need you. You know, say I'm on stage with Ed Sheeran, we're aiming for the top and you know we don't fear them. And the atmosphere was electric, so even though you only had 15 minutes, it was incredible, you know what I mean? Um, and then the following year then, uh, they invited me back to do a proper, a proper set, and that was when sort of Ed was just about to start blowing up and um, and that's when we did that thing backstage and Israeli and yeah. the small gods it's gonna be epic it's gonna be good but this song uh, is a song called JP I don't even know what it stands for but it's a load of letters what does it stand for? Uh, Jimmy Dave is fun for people who might take notice and act accordingly on a planet in crisis absorb the scenes of devastating destruction and damage my iris decimate my pupil the actions of bloodlines that date back to queen semiramis or isis and nimrod or osiris global control over thousands of years embedded in media and politics so so yeah in terms of in terms of like any advice i'd give to young people coming through young artists it is literally just you know your network is your net worth that means your value in a particular marketplace is determined by who you know. It really is, man. So you just got to get out there and just network hard. And who knows you? Oh, I all see that one. People keep putting out both of them. Who knows you and, and the other way around you? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting because um, you also had, he ended up flying you out, didn't they? Was it to New York or somewhere? After he ended up doing an after party or something. I could be wrong, but you can... You know, you know better than me. Yeah, that's right, man. Jeez, you've been doing your homework, Lizzie. I'm impressed. You know, this everything. This is everything these days. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> it is, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that was a bit of a mad one. So um, that that was uh, that was three years ago now, and. At the beginning of that year, 2017, Ed was playing in Birmingham at the... Uh, oh, two oh, what's it called? No. no, you know the big... The, what's the big one in the middle of town? Um, the arena. Uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called. Genting. It's called yeah. Genting now, because it used to be LG. Oh, oh no, not the Genting. The Genting is the NEC. Oh, NEC. This <laughs> one, yeah, this one is... Um, it used to be the NIA. I can't uh, remember what it's now. Yes, because X Factor does all their um, auditions there and so far. It's near that kind of gherkin, I call it a gherkin building. Do you know the library? That's it. Yeah, yeah that's the one. It's right near there. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so he was playing a show there and, um, you know, this was in the middle of a, a world tour kind of thing. And anyway, I hadn't seen him for probably two years. and we went to see him and um we were hanging out and then we went to a party after there was probably about nine of us that went to this little party at someone's flat that he knew and that i knew uh in the middle of brum and we were just we were talking and we were catching up and um 
and and we're both big obviously i'm a massive fan of hip-hop and so is ed you know and we were talking about hip-hop and he goes to me you know that i've met immortal technique right now immortal technique is this incredible mc from harlem new york independent artist who is he's one of my heroes and i introduced his music to ed when he was really young like 14 or whatever and, and Ed goes to me, you know, I've met Immortal Technique, don't you? And I was like, you what? No way. Tell me about it, man. What? And he was like, yeah, I flew him over and um, he came to my house and I took him to the local pub and like to the chip shop and that in Norfolk. And I was just like, oh my God, this is weird. And um, so we carried on talking and he go, and then just out of the blue, he goes, you know what, right? Come to, um, come to New York next year. Yeah. And uh, sorry, later in the year, and I'll and I'll make sure he's there, and we'll hang out together and that. And I was just like, no way. So um, so yeah, like six months later, I got on a plane, and um, yeah, I went to New York, my first ever trip yeah. there, and that blew my mind because obviously it's the birthplace of hip hop. And um, and then yeah, he, he he played his show. And it was brilliant, actually, because all, a lot of his family were there and I hadn't seen his dad for about, God, probably about 10 years. And I, and I was, sat, I was sat, on the, sat on the, or stood on the front row of this kind of, um, this like stand where all this like seating stand. And I was on the front row and I was talking to someone. And, um, and then I sort of, as I looked around to talk to this person, I seen his dad like wave at me and like, all right, mate, what are you doing? And I was like, no way. And he goes, are you coming back after? And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. So it was just wonderful, man. Like his dad was there and and his mum and um and a lot of his family. And then and then Immortal Technique rocked up and um yeah, I just sort of I just totally fanboyed him, man. I just sat <laughs> I on gonna, the sofa. I was gonna next say, to did you do that typical thing where you're like Okay, what do I say? Do you, like your head just raises. <laughs> Ma yeah, massively. Like at first, I was lost for words and I was gobsmacked. But I walked into the dressing room where the after party was, and there was a lot of people milling around and that. And then I looked through the crowd and and just sat on this sofa right at the back of the room. It was Immortal Technique, so I made a beeline for him, introduced myself, and he was like, "Yeah, man, I heard about you, like Ed." Into Ed told me all about you and I heard some of your music and that and I was oh, like fuck no way sorry for swearing no, you and, um, I don't mind people swearing I don't, just be you I don't mind that woohoo <laughs> I won't say I won't say the C word um, but yeah man so I just I sat down on the sofa next to him and I just I basically interviewed him for about three hours I just grilled him I was just asking him questions and um, and then his his producer was there, a guy called Southpaw, who is again, he's another one of my heroes. And um and we were all talking, the three of us, and Southpaw goes to me, How long are you here for, man? And I was like, Oh, I'm only here for another two days, like tonight and tomorrow night. And he goes, Oh, oh man, I'm busy tomorrow, but like I'd love to get you in the studio, you know. And I was wow. just like, No way. I said, mate. I'm cancelling my plans and I'm staying put, bro, for as long as it takes. And, um, and so, yeah, two days later, I ended up in the studio with Southpaw recording something. And, and that's the same studio that 
all of Immortal Techniques albums have been recorded in, all of that amazing music that we all fell in love with, that Ed fell in love with. And yeah, it's just bonkers, absolutely bonkers, man. No, it's interesting as well, as the fact that you've, you've been in the industry from the start. So how do you think the music shifted with how hip hop and now you have grime in London? And how has that in, impacted on your own? Because obviously rave is such a big part as well when you were growing up and going to them. And I'm sure, you know, a few other things that you've put in the past now, but you enjoy, you enjoyed back then as well. So how has that impacted your music? Great questions, man. Thank you. Uh, um, yeah, I think the grime thing, when it all first kicked off, because obviously I was making music when grime, like first, when the sound first emerged. And it wasn't, I've got to be honest, man, it wasn't for me. I didn't like it. It wasn't to my taste. Um, I found it very intrusive. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And, 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 and particularly in the early beginnings of grime, the sound of it for me was very harsh. It was very like um, industrial almost, yeah. you know what I mean? And I couldn't get to grips with it. And the flow was like, I used, to, I used to love garage MCs and I'd listen to garage all the time and go to garage raves. But the flows of the grime MCs, I just could not get my head around. And so anyway, it wasn't for me. But over time, I think as the, as the music's evolved and as the production has, um, has changed and, and the styles and the different sounds that they incorporate now, I love it. I absolutely love it. And, um, and it's a big influence on what I do now, you know what I mean? So, and I think also, uh, like, the, the UK hip-hop scene, I saw that when it was in its um, heyday, if you like, when it was sort of flourishing. And then it kind of died off, man, in a big way. So there's also a side to it where if you don't evolve, you just die, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, well, we're I mean, don't get me wrong. There's... Yeah. I was going to say, we live in such a fast-paced environment that it... It's like even consumerism is to the point where I always say it's a throwaway generation that we're living. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, very much so, man. That's it. Things change so quickly. And I, I mean, just going back to the hip hop thing, don't get me wrong, there's a lot, there's a lot of artists who are representing the, the UK hip hop kind of sound, like Loyal Karna is an amazing artist. You know? I mean, and in and uh, and there's a guy, there's a local guy called Pofi Stone as well, who is mm. top, top drawman. Um, so I was going because I was going to lead on to um, you've done a collaboration with someone that I've interviewed as well, uh, Vital, who's Wolverhampton-based. Um, you know, we like to appreciate. But um, also, is it? Uh, I don't. Do you pronounce like socks? Is that the lad's name? I don't want to pronounce it wrong. Yeah. He's got an interesting because he reminds his voice reminds me of that kind of limp biscuit vibes. I'm a my brother's era, that type of thing. I always used to listen to music like that. It's got a nice alternate uh, vibe. Okay. How did that um how did that collaboration come about? Yeah, big up, to, big up to Socks and Vital, man. Two absolutely outstanding MCs. And, um, and Socks, you know, he's a real, he's a bit of a veteran now, in fact, in the grime scene. Socks is, is a, he's a bit, I think he's a legend and I think he's one of the best MCs in the entire mm. 
um, grime scene. So, and, and yeah, I've known Vital for, oh gosh, I've known Vital for years. But, um, so I've wanted to jump on a track with him for a long time and for whatever reason that hasn't happened. And then I sort of connected myself with Sucks probably about four or five years ago. And we started hanging out a bit. And, um, and yeah, I, like, you know, for me, it was a bit of a dream getting, getting on a track with him. So, so yeah, it just, um, he, that was it. Sorry, yes, I remember now. There is a story for this. So basically, I, I was doing this talk to a group of young people. I do this kind of thing quite regularly. I go into pupil referral units or something, yeah. and I keep like a bit of a... You did a football thing, didn't you, as well? Football trials? You also performed there before they went out? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do this kind of thing where I motivate young people and, that, and I do some, some motivational speaking. But I was doing it uh, this once a couple of years, uh, yeah, a few years ago. And I remember putting out a post on social media saying, I need someone to come and perform at this event with me that I'm talking at. Anyone up for it? And he responded, sucks did. And I was like, bloody hell, okay. Um, so... He came down to that. We'd, we'd been connected for a while before then, but it still surprised me. I was like, no, I wasn't expecting that. And anyway, he came down and um, he, he performed and whatever. And then after that, he sent me the beat for the track that we ended up making. And it had his hook on it. And he was like, after I heard your speech, I thought this track would be sick for, you know, to make something together on so so yeah um and then i was like we definitely need a trio on this you know we've got a we need like a trilateral commission, man. <laughs> so I, I just hollered at Vital and he was up for it. And, um, but you know what? It's so funny, right? It literally, it took about a year to oh, get that wow. track done. Because <laughs> you're all perfectionists. That's what it is, really. I think that's what it is, yeah. We procrastinate and we're too much, you know. But um, yeah, it was a bit of a mad one. I think what happened now we all got in the studio together and that was quite quick but then to get it to get the track totally finished and then to make the video i think we made the video about a year after we recorded the track yeah i do like your visuals as well i like because you always find even in, in a sense of it's not always outlandish to the point where you know budget wise you're very creative with how you do the shots as well because it it's your own production isn't it really in a way a lot of you a lot of your tracks have been yeah yeah so um do you mean production in terms of video like visuals or yeah because you've done uh, a few with um independent companies but with yourself i don't know do you have a lot of input when it comes to visuals yeah 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 i definitely do man um <clears throat> excuse me yeah i do i make some myself as well so I, uh, that video i put out for how much do you want it just before the end of last year that was i put that together myself um, but yeah, anytime I'm working with other other filmmakers or directors or whatever, I'm I'm the guy that 
that bothers them and annoys them because I'm like, well, what about if we try it this way? And what about if we just put the camera there? And because I love film and I love visuals, man, I'm heavily into that as well. So, uh, but it's always nice working collaboratively as well. Do you know what I mean? I could understand that as well, but there's something as well where I've been listening to your music and uh, again, you can't shy away from the truth and growing up. I mean, when you, um, again, you can quote the track but I'll see if you can get it from that but um you went about how you took was it a charity box out of a hotel like you were an isolated hotel but that, because that was at the point where you've been kicked out of your home you're trying to rebuild but then you got into the same circle of people that probably didn't have the most positive impacts on you so I'm just interested because there are still people that are obviously going for this day in day out but how do you keep yourself grounded and not going back into that. Bless you, man. Um, yeah. I think, I think when you go through something like that in your life, those experiences, there comes a point where like, you've got a choice. And for me, it was sort of, I labeled it like an epiphany, an epiphany you know what I mean? Um, like something, something happened yeah. to me or came to me that, that was a turning point. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just from that point onwards, really. Um, what was that? What was that point when, because obviously everyone has different points and they always go when they have their, their lowest point, that's when they end up hitting. Okay, I need, now I need to pick myself up from that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it was, it was having someone like show that they care for me. <laughs> That's what it was, you know what I mean? And it, it just happened to be my older brother who, interestingly, we'd had like a really, um, how could I, like a fractured relationship mm. up until that point. And I always wanted to be like him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I kind of worshipped him. But... Um, he was going through whatever he was going through. So, but yeah, it turned out that it was actually him showing me like, I care about you and I want you to get out of this position that made me like, oh, wow, I've got to sort this out then. Yeah. But that's, I mean, the fact that you have come out the other side as well, just shows the kind of person you are and you put it into your lyrics and the fact that you put that out there for people to catch on to and positively have that impact on them. Is a great thing as well. Bless you, man. It's kind of you to say. Um, and I think, you know, it's... I had, yeah, I had a bit of a, a rough experience in a lot of ways, but people have had and do have it a lot worse. You know what I mean? So mm. I don't want to make out like, like my <laughs> story is, um, is like the worst you've ever heard or anything. But yeah, I did some, did some things, man. And I think, that, that's what people can really relate to, isn't it? I remember listening to Eminem's music when I, when I used to heavily, like back in the day, 20 years ago. Yeah. And just thinking like, wow, this guy is so honest. He does not care. He'll just tell you anything. And I really related to that. And, I, and, and that, that always felt like it needed to, to, yeah. to be a, a strong thread in my music. You know what I mean? That I was just honest and... Mm -hmm. um, I never forget, um, I was watching them, it was at Pink, 
And the, the day she got signed, she nearly OD'd in the same nightclub that the person picked up. And then it was that day she decided not to go back. Um, so that person, in a way, saved, saved her life from uh, not going back to that. Just, yeah. Wow. Mad, mad, mad things. But onwards, onwards and upwards. I mean, I don't know if I can say that on a podcast or not, but have you told people that you're having a child? Or is that a private thing you're keeping? Oh, no, no, we've told, yeah. That's good, that's good. I mean, I, it. I mean, that that itself is such a beautiful moment in life. I mean, how how is that? How are you prepping for that? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we've been really lucky, you know, because, like, my, my partner's a teacher, so this whole coronavirus <laughs> thing... I would never have wanted it to happen this way, but it's been a real <laughs> blessing in a lot of ways, man, because she hasn't had to go to work. Well, she's been doing a lot of work from home. Yeah. But, but like being in the environment of a school, a secondary school, is quite stressful, you know what I mean? So yeah. her not having to be in that environment has been a like an amazing gift. Mm. So um so yeah, we've just been at, we've just been sort of getting everything in place. I've been working on the garden and we both have a bit and uh, decorating the nursery. Oh. Um, yeah, man. And just like, I don't know. I've, I've really started thinking about just going deep with it. You know what I mean? Lizzie mm. thinking like, what, how do I want to raise our child? Like how, how do I want to do this thing called yeah. parenthood? You know, I want to try and get it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I remember asking my brother this question. I said, do you know now, now you've had your kid, do you ever look at things differently? Like when you watch TV, films, you look at everything. Everything that you once looked at in one way, it completely just shifts everything. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you have kids yourself? No, I do want them. I do. I have yeah. this, I have this uh, whenever I see a baby, it must be a fe female thing. I don't know what it is, but I just want to nurture. <laughs> I mean, I'm a youth worker when I'm not doing this, because that's... I just enjoy oh, okay. helping, helping others, being able to do that. Just fills you with that kind of, just fills you with positivity, doesn't it? Yeah, totally, man. So do you, do you youth work in Wolverhampton? Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit, oh, yeah. Have you, have you been off then, I take it? Yeah, I think it's August, September time. Uh, but like all the, all the schools, really, that's when, because obviously kids and everything, trying to, make sure they shift it to the right even our pubs are open now and restaurants but no, I it's, it's so confusing it's really confusing but how has that affected your music because obviously you have put out uh coming alive now has this impacted or has it influenced you in any way the whole kind of virus thing yeah um yeah it's really i had some gigs like booked in a couple of gigs obviously they were cancelled and I don't know, man, it's really got me thinking about the future, you know, like what, what does the future hold for the music industry now and, and how are things going to work? And um, I think you've really got to get your online game yeah. up, you know what I mean? And, and really work at that. And then maybe even start thinking about how could, we, how could we do live stream gigs that are actually really good and that people want to tune into. Yeah, because there's so many people doing them now. You know what I mean? It's like you've got to you've got to come with something fresh, man. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's been it's been great for for creativity in general. 
just because it's given people the time and space. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I've just been I've been experimenting and working on some new sounds and stuff. So we'll see what comes out oh, the other side. Well, I'll look forward to that. So what is so is that the future for you, or do you have so obviously you got your child coming, which is a huge thing. But um, um, is that what is the future for yourself? Have you got anything planned, or you just seeing how it flows? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, you know. I, I'm in that I'm in that sort of space at the moment where I put out an album last year, and I've done a couple of singles this year, and I'm sort of working on another body of work at the moment. So I've got, it's weird, I've got sort of things tucked away that I can draw for if I need to. I've got tracks that are finished that probably just need mastering and then they're ready to go. But I'm so meticulous about my work, you know what I mean? It's like, I feel that in this, in this sort of, um, like you, you mentioned earlier, in this consumerist culture that we're in, this throwaway culture, I feel like people are firing out tracks left, right, and center, like constantly. And I think it's quite average, mediocre work. Do you know what I mean? And there are tracks lying around that I could do that with, but I just I refuse to in a way. I don't I don't really want to. And that's so. why I love your honesty because it is. I mean, it's like anything in life. If you just think, okay, I've got to put it, pump it out there, just for likes or to get that streaming. Instead of actually focusing on the project and what it's actually about. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. I mean, it's like with the with the coming alive single release, the amount of work and effort that went into that, you know, and it, it's like months and months and I mean, I wrote I wrote that song two and a half years ago. I recorded it two years ago, and then, you know, for whatever reason, timing and that, and I wanted to kind of hold on to it until the right time, but then you start looking at getting the remixes done and then you're looking at the artwork and then you're looking at the video and then it, you know what I mean? It's like months and months, multiple yeah. pounds and dollars and you just like, oh gosh. And then, and then was you're it, thinking. Was it Al? Was it Al? Because I was reading your tweets actually and I know there's a, was it a copyright thing? Um, that's to do with like, you're trying to, you're trying to basically put out pump out and promote your own music but they weren't allowing you to do that or something was it your distributor yeah. what is that all about <laughs> yeah basically um <laughs> and yeah i'm glad it's it's uh, it's a good point to bring up actually because you know all, all of that stuff that i've just mentioned that you have to think about and get in place and then and then all of a sudden you go to put it out the video, we went to put the video out on, um, on the Birmingham Updates Facebook page. Yeah. And I'd arranged it with them like months previously and we had a plan in place and we'd been talking for a long time. And then they, they put it out and then a copyright claim came in on it, on the video. <laughs> on, your own, on your own video? On my own music, yeah. And basically what they did was they partially muted the video from like a minute, 10 seconds onwards. And so I got, so my music's distributed by AWOL. And I got in touch with them and said, what the heck is all this about? Like, this is my music. How can, how can this be actually happening? And they, they came back and said, well, look, you know, you've, first of all, you've got to what, do something called whitelist all your own social media platforms. Which basically, I won't go into too much detail. I mean, that's, that's effort. Come on now. <laughs> 
got yeah. a, you're like, I've got a child on the way. Can you just like do it yourself? Do it for me. <laughs> yeah, this is it exactly. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what that means, without going into too much depth, it's like there are things things put in place to stop people infringing on your copyright. Yeah. So if someone puts up some music on their YouTube channel and it's one of your songs. Mm-hmm instantly there'll be something coming in from youtube going "Uh -uh, sorry mate you need to take that down immediately and that's what AWOL have in place which is amazing you know what i mean and that's good for us as artists it's brilliant but when it impacts on you putting out your own single it's like hang on a minute how does this work and then so they've they've said that look you need we you needed to have whitelisted all your social media platforms we can do that but you needed to have let us know and i was like well why didn't someone tell me this yeah and then and then they were like, oh, and because it's a third party page that you're putting up the video on, we'll have to make a special request to Facebook <laughs> about that page. And I was just like, this is getting it's long. It's a real man. headache. That's just a huge headache. Yeah, absolutely. And they're like, they completely scuppered the release of the videos, you know what I mean? That we'd been working towards for ages. Oh, and no. that we put so much effort into. So it was really annoying. And, and to be honest, it's still ongoing. We're still waiting for a, mm. for a resolution from Facebook, yeah. This is when, Crazy, you know, especially when you're paying money to that distributor, really, they should be accommodating to your needs, which is, uh, yeah. But I wanted, I wanted, I've got a quote in. I need, I want to read this because it's something that Ed, Ed Sheeran once said, and I thought it's important for someone that you've worked very closely with for now. He's gone on to the scene. He goes, a great songwriter, lyricalist and performer who writes deeply personal songs and confronts important issues through his music. Now, when he said that, how did that make you feel when he said, when you heard that? Uh, Like, it was just humbling. It was just, yeah, it was really humbling. And um, it made me proud to think that someone who's gone on to, to achieve the things that he has thought that way about my music. Um, and yeah, it was, I couldn't quite believe it to be honest, but <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. I was, I was gobsmacked, but you know what? It was when that all sort of came about really when um, he, when I was in New York, going back to that story I was telling her earlier and I was backstage and his dad was sort of, um, he was ta- his dad was taking me around of some of the rest of his family and other people that were connected to Ed that were there. And he was introducing me going, Mike, uh, this is Jimmy, Jimmy Davis. Um, Ed, he's one of Ed's biggest influences. And I was just like, what? <laughs> no way. That's surreal, man. I mean, that, I think that's kudos and not evidence to the work that you do. And I really hope that people go and check out your music. Because I know I'm not just I don't just say things like that for no reason. I truly mean that because you are you're you're a great poet as well, and speak a lot of truth. Thank you so much, Lizzie. That is it's really kind of you to say, man. And I'm I'm pleased that you you're feeling it, man. No, I do, and it's really refreshing because you hear you hear so many annoying I'm not being rude, but tracks about um, chains uh, sexualizing women. And not talking about actually what's going on in our culture, our society, politics that needs to be spoken about, and people, a lot of people shy away from that. And yeah, I appreciate and a good artist when I see one. 
Big respect, man. Nice one. And I appreciate a good interviewer when I see one. So big up yourself even more. Oh, see, when I laugh, because I'm ginger, I'll just go really red. I can't help it. It's like, it's like a beacon shining for Power Rangers. Join me. <laughs> but I wanted to say, um, I could literally talk to you all day, but I know you've got things to do. And I wanted to say thank you so much taking time out of your busy day because now you've had business calls as well and all these different things tending to as well so thank you for joining me oh you're so welcome man the pleasure is all mine thanks so much for having me on and, and i hope we can maybe do it again in the future at some point yeah face to face would be nice that'll be great yeah be when great. we're out of this absolute madness that we're stuck in whenever we're at well, well whenever but all you need to do is literally listen to tapes music because You'll be uplifted. That's all you need. <laughs> yes, man. It'll make you feel better, especially oh, when you yes. the remix of the new tune. It feels like summer is officially here, man. So Enigma do dubs. It. Enigma dubs, isn't it, as well? I got on got onto that. Birmingham bass That's native cool. as well. Also with Ed yeah. Geeter. He did another track with him. But yeah. yeah. And I feel good. It's always a tune. That's the one I love as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you let you go now. And I'm going to get to editing. It's editing this sometimes. <laughs> nice one, Lizzie. I'll see you later then. I really need to get a backdrop like yours, to be honest with you, because that's really nice.